Happy Sabbath, Church. Uh, Pastor Adrian here. Um, today, uh, we will be in Matthew chapter 28, and I'd actually like to um, give two messages here on the Great Commission uh, from Matthew chapter 28. Today, uh, I just want to look at some motivations and some truths here about why uh, the Great Commission and next week to look a little bit more of the details of what Jesus is telling us to do. Uh, so we will begin actually in Matthew 28, verse 16 uh, through 20. And in reality, we'll begin the sermon this week and finish it next. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, it says... Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. God in heaven today, pray as we um, examine this passage and what it means for us today in the 21st century. I ask and pray, God, please take us back to this time uh, with with Jesus and the disciples and uh, open up this passage to us, God. I pray asking for your Holy Spirit now to speak through me and, and that these would be your words and not mine and that each heart would be open to receive the message that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a sophomore in college, <clears throat> I was determined to be a student missionary for one year. I had this burning passion, this desire to do this uh, at that time in my life. Uh, I'd only been a Christian for a few years in reality. Um, And so I I just, based here on Matthew 28 and and a few other passages, both in the Old and New Testament, uh, I had this great desire. So I talked to the uh, people at the missions office there at Southwestern while I was going to college at the time. And they gave me some direction, some website and instruction. So I went online uh, to a website called hesaidgo.net or .org. um, And I found a position open in Japan. I had a desire even at that time to go uh, to Japan. But I quickly learned as I began the process that you had to have a four-year degree. So that didn't work out. But that was not really an issue because... What I really wanted to do was missionary work. So the place was not that important. So I began fishing around for positions of a Bible teacher, a chaplain, or you know something in that area. I found an opportunity in the tiny little island in the Pacific called Yap. That's Y-A-P. And uh, so I filled out the information online. I even talked to an administrator there in that that small little island of Yap. 
And it looked very promising. I, I was well received by the person I spoke to on the phone, and I was almost sure it was going through. Uh, the process was, was moving along quite nicely. I even told my family and friends, hey, I'm going to be a missionary in Yap. And unfortunately, to, to my great disappointment, that didn't follow through either. I mean, that, that just, it didn't happen. They found another candidate came uh, almost from behind, and he was a much better candidate, um, better qualified, had more experience, uh, and so they chose him. And uh, though I was disappointed, I was not deterred from my desire. So once again, I got online, looked at more positions that would be available that I thought that I wanted uh, to serve in and that God was calling me to. So I looked for, I uh, found something in Ireland, and uh, I started the process with that place. And it fell through. Well, didn't deter me at all. I mean, after all, Elijah prayed seven times for rain before it came, right? So I tried another place uh, in South America, in Panama. And as I began the process, that fell through as well. And I continued back in Europe and a place in Africa. And I was trying these different places. But after seven times, I realized that this was quite unusual. Most of the time when student missionaries wanted to serve overseas, it was not this difficult. And I, and I recognized the hand of God closing the door uh, really in my face to go overseas. And so I was very disappointed. I was a little confused. I thought, well, what about the Great Commission? You know, God, this is what you want me to do. But as I look back at that time in my life, and I, I think about what God was trying to do in my life. I, I thank God that I was not let loose at that time into the mission field. Because there was a lot of important things that God needed to teach me uh, as a young man, as a young Christian. The importance of trusting in God in the little things. The importance of being faithful to God in the little things. I had opportunities to do prison ministry and literature evangelism and witness to my own family. And so, so I did. And I think one of the most important things at that time that I was there, uh, the rest of my college career, was simply receiving the ministry of Jesus Christ to my own heart. And walking with God and having these experiences with God that would build my faith and build my character. And when that time of learning, at least at that point in my life, was finished, then the doors opened for me to go overseas. And I, I saw later on, as, as I was serving, how important it was for me to simply be there in that tiny little town of Keene, Texas, receiving the ministry of Christ to myself and building on these very important things in my life. Because without them, I would have totally wrecked things, um, even worse than I already did. And so I, I share that with you today because I think it is often a great injustice when we talk about the Great Commission and we simply start at verse 18 
without going back just a couple of verses to verse 16. And we often hear and and we read about and we are reminded about the commission to go and to make disciples and baptize and to teach and remember that Jesus is with us. This is imperative. But Matthew adds something in here that was very important for us to remember as well. And it is also part of the Great Commission. Because here in verse 16 and 17, Matthew is saying that the disciples, they went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. Now, we remember that Jesus was crucified and buried just outside of Jerusalem. He was resurrected just outside of Jerusalem. And he wanted to meet his disciples, at least in the book of Matthew, initially. He wanted to meet his disciples and and give them the Great Commission, not in that place, but in Galilee. So his disciples would have to journey from where they were in the area of Jerusalem up to Galilee and meet their master there to receive this Great Commission. So the question is, why did Jesus command his disciples long before his crucifixion to meet them to meet him there in Galilee after he had been raised and as i was trying to understand this it's actually quite simple it's actually uh, quite apparent that as they were going back to Galilee to meet Jesus on the mountain which he had appointed for them. It doesn't say specifically which one that is here. Could have been on the southern end of the Sea of Galilee. Could have been on the northern end of the Sea of Galilee. But as they were going through Galilee, they would have passed by the place where Jesus had healed Peter's mother-in-law. They would have passed by the place where Jesus had resurrected the little girl that had been dead. They would have passed by where, or at least seen in the distance, where Jesus had taught the Sermon on the Mount, those precious truths. Or off in the distance, in the area of Gergasa, on the eastern part of the Sea of Galilee, they would have remembered where Jesus cast out the demons out of that demon-possessed man who was bound by chains. All of the what Jesus had, had done, the ministry of Christ, would have come freshly to their minds as they were walking through Galilee to meet Jesus. And maybe even more importantly, they would have remembered and saw the place where Jesus had called them into ministry, where the fishermen were washing their nets when Jesus came and told them, Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Or where Matthew was collecting his taxes when Jesus came up to him and said, uh, Come follow me. And and Matthew, Levi, uh, he left everything behind to follow Jesus. All of these things would have come back to their mind as they were traveling through Galilee. The great ministry of Christ and the way that Jesus had called and ministered to them. And so this is very important that we we recognize the place and the context of where Jesus is giving the Great Commission in this place where they would have to remember 
all of these things. And so this teaches us a very important lesson. This teaches us something about fulfilling the Great Commission that we often leave out of the equation. And that is in order for us to be faithful witnesses for Christ, we have to look back at what Jesus has done for us in our life, how we have received the ministry of Christ so that we can take that to others. When uh, After I had been in Japan for a couple of years, my first uh, two years in Japan was on mainland. And as I was getting ready to leave uh, mainland Japan as a Bible and English teacher, I, um, I was saying goodbye to everyone. Um, it was a, it was a, a very emotional time. Uh, I was getting ready to leave. I had already uh, had plans to go to Okinawa um, to pastor the international church there. And uh, it, it was a very, uh, you know, a sentimental type of time, and there was lots of goodbyes and, and memories and, that were being uh, reflected on there. And I remember, um, you know, of, of a lot of different people were, were saying, you know, um, it was so nice to have you here for two years, and, and thank you for teaching us the Bible in English and, and all these different things. And I remember getting uh, one of the cards, the thank you cards, goodbye or for- farewell cards, and a message from my supervisor. Now, I have to tell you that uh, there was only a few of us who were working in the English school where I was teaching. And it was my supervisor uh, and the secretary and one other English teacher who later on had to... Um, had to discontinue teaching. She had to, she had to quit for health reasons. And so I, I remember, you know, that how difficult it was um, going into this new country, uh, not being fluent in the language, or, or in the communication style of these uh, Far Eastern people. And so my supervisor and I would often have times of great misunderstanding about what was expected of me. Now, I was working very hard. This was the hardest I had ever worked in my life because the Japanese are very hardworking people and they expect the people who work for them to work hard as well. They just don't know any other way. And so I feel like just in those two years, about five or six years of my life was kind of sucked out of me uh, in a very intense period of time. And so sometimes we would have conflicts and misunderstandings. And there were times when I did not act like a Christian, like I should have. And so I was wondering, you know, maybe I, I lost my witness with this, this lady, you know. She was a little bit older. She had children who were older than me. And um, I was trying to understand, you know, I was trying my best to be a good teacher. I was trying my best to be a good missionary and a good Christian. But there were times I just, I just wasn't making it. And, but I remember, you know, when I was leaving and I got these thank you cards and these farewell cards. I'll never remember what my supervisor said. 
on that card. She said, thank you so much for coming to serve in Japan. She said, thank you because you taught me a lot about what it means to be a Christian. And I looked at the card, and I, and I was just kind of, I should say surprised. I don't know if I should say surprised, but I was, I was really taken by that. And I was so thankful to God. I was rejoicing, God, thank you that you could use me in this way. But as I, as I reflected on that and I thought about what she was saying, I really think that what she was really seeing in me was someone who was not perfect, someone who needed to, to grow and to develop. She was seeing somebody who at times fell, but was determined by faith and was determined uh, with, with this passion for God to get back up and to serve. There were times that I wanted to go home. There were times I talked to her about going home. But I, by the grace of God and by the ministry of God to my soul, I stayed. And there were times when um, I, I, I just failed you know, as a Christian and a missionary. But I had to come back and, and say, you know, I'm, I'm sorry about this, and, and I, I hope that we can come to an understanding. I, I want to know what, what, uh, what I'm missing here. And we would have conversations uh, about expectations and other things. And I really think that this woman saw someone who was trying to be a good Christian, who was trying to be a good missionary, and who was trying to be a good teacher. And I think that is what impressed her. Not so much that I was perfect, because I wasn't, obviously. And so, at that time, I, I look back and I realize that God had been preparing me for that specific time in my life. And so, it was, it was a lot about simply giving back to others what Christ had taught me and what Christ had done for me. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I wasn't perfect. I knew I wasn't, I wasn't the best teacher. I knew I wasn't the best Christian, but I had received the grace of God in my own life. And I was determined to try to pass that on, even in just a little way, to other people. And I believe that she recognized that. Even my feeble efforts, she recognized that. And so I will never forget the words on that card and the encouragement that it gave me as I was leaving uh, that particular mission field. And so not only is it about remembering what Jesus has done for us so that we can pass it on to others, but it's also remembering that Jesus is not calling perfect people here to go and, and feel this, fulfill this gospel commission. It says here in verse 17 that when they saw him, they worshipped. Amen. Of course, he's resurrected. It is Jesus himself. They're seeing him with their own eyes. But Matthew is totally dead honest, but some doubted. Some of them doubted. And so we, we even know from other parts in the scriptures that when Thomas, he heard about the resurrection of Christ, he didn't believe 
until he saw Jesus himself. And it seems like in every one of the gospel accounts after the resurrection, Jesus had to rebuke their unbelief. And Jesus had to to show them from the scriptures how this was a part of God's plan for salvation for humanity. So by no means was God calling perfect people, not at all. That is not a prerequisite to being a disciple who fulfills the Great Commission. There's there's no need for absolute perfection. God is calling people who have received his ministry to themselves. People who will not keep it to themselves, but pass it on to others. And sometimes we might have, you know, we... we in ourselves, we, we look back and we try to think about, you know, these, these things that, that Jesus has done for us. And, and we can simply go back just a little bit here in the book of Matthew. And in verse 27, remember the crucifixion and the suffering of Christ. And at the beginning of chapter 28, there was a resurrection that took place, a supernatural resurrection that took place that that sealed Jesus' victory over death and Satan and sin. So at least we can go back that far. And so that's really what the Great Commission is all about. What did we receive of Christ? And we determine not to keep that to ourselves. You know, um, I was reading this story uh, recently um, in a book called The Story Catcher by Richard Dirksen. And uh, it was a fascinating story. It was about a time when he was serving as a chaplain in Orlando, Florida. And he was serving in a hospital as a, he was um, in some kind of meeting one night and uh, he was pretty exhausted as he tells the story, and he's leaving. He's happy that he can go home, and he's trying not to think about all the duties that were laid upon him as a result of the meeting. And he runs into a man uh, named Raymond, uh, a friend of his. And um, this man, Raymond, he comes up to Pastor Dirksen, and uh, he 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 finds him and he tells him, hey, I have to tell you this, this incredible story. I have to tell you something that happened to me yesterday. Raymond was very excited. He was very emotional. And as uh, Pastor Dirksen, he tells the story, he says that Raymond um, had lost his daughter, Margarita, to a motorcycle accident just a year before. It was a very tragic thing that happened. She was riding her motorcycle. She had made some mistake, and she was killed in the motorcycle accident. But Raymond and his wife, they decided to donate Margarita's organs away. And so they donated her eyes. They donated uh, her uh, kidneys, they, and they even donated her heart away. And so what had happened was is that about a year later after her death, and donation, that a man from Texas flew all the way to Florida to meet Raymond. And he showed up at their door the day before, and 
he began telling them this incredible story. He said, about a year ago, um, I was close to death because I had been suffering from a terrible heart disease. And the doctors said that the only way for me to live was to receive a heart transplant. And there were no hearts available, so he had been waiting for a period of time, and he was starting to lose hope. And about a year before this meeting that he had in Florida with Raymond, he got a phone call that there was a healthy heart that was available. And the doctors had uh, requested for him to be at the hospital within 20 minutes. Well, he made it to the hospital in 15 minutes, and that night he was on the table receiving a new heart. So this man from Texas, he had spent an entire year trying to learn where this heart came from, trying to learn where this new life came from, this second chance in life that he got. Whose heart was it? What, who was it that died? Who was it who, who um, uh, was so generous to give their organs away? So he found out who she was, and, you know, as a young woman named Marguerite, and found her parents, Raymond and his wife, and he flew out to Florida, came to their front door, and told them the story. And he was so excited. He was so grateful that he had received Margarita's heart. And as he was talking to Raymond and his wife in, in their home, he invited them to put their head on his chest and listen to the beating heart. And so Raymond and his wife, they put their head on the chest of this man who had, had received a second chance, and they heard the beating heart of their daughter. And they saw the life and the excitement and the gratitude of this man who had had a second chance at life. And so Raymond was so excited, so overwhelmed with emotions of both grieving and, and, and joy as he was telling Pastor Dirksen this story that they cried there in the hospital uh, as it was late at night. And he could see that while while Raymond was still mourning the loss of his daughter, he could see how uh, through her death, this man had received a second chance. And he was so overwhelmed with love and gratitude that he had to find the parents and tell them how much he appreciated what had happened, that he got the second chance. And, and so Raymond and his wife they, they will never forget the, this experience. It meant so much to them that he would share that with them. And you know, church, that's really what the Great Commission is all about. In a nutshell, that's really what it's all about. It's about men and women who are so thankful to God for what he has done for them in the past. They are so thankful to God that though we are not perfect, Jesus still receives us. And by faith, we are his sons and daughters. And we are so overwhelmed with joy and, and gratitude that we don't keep it to ourselves. But we make, we make a determined effort, even at times if it's not perfect, 
to tell someone else. That's really what the Great Commission is all about. And as I said next week, we'll get into all the details about these specifics of what Jesus tells us to do. But if we have not been to Galilee ourselves, if we have not been back to where Jesus has ministered to us, then we can forget about the rest of the verses. We can forget about the the Great Commission itself because it all starts there. Church, this really challenges us not to think so much about how good of a witness that we can be or how good of of, of Christians that we really are, but we have to ask the question, why do we obey the Great Commission of Jesus? Why do we obey the Great Commission? Why is this so important for the church? Why is it so important to you? And I want to leave you with that challenge today. Why is the Great Commission important in your life? May God bless you. And happy Sabbath.